people of Earth. Give hope. Food. Oh. Okay, well, I'm Willa. <laughs> I'm Marla. <laughs> and we are Gigos. <laughs> Today we're very excited because we have a special guest, hopefully the first of many, our great, dear, and good friend, drummer extraordinaire, Warren Oates. Say hey, Warren. Shalom. Yeah. <laughs> we love Warren. <laughs> Warren's the greatest. Warren's done a million things in his career. He's played for super famous people like Judy Collins. He's played on the Washington Mall many times. What Other famous people, Barbara Cook, I know. He's played in rock bands. He's played to tens of thousands of people, and he's yeah. played for Mrs. Goldstein's wedding. And he's, he's played with Will and Marla. That's right. He's played with I'd Marla. like to meet this guy, Warren. <laughs> <laughs> sounds amazing. Uh, so so we're going we're gonna to interview Warren and ask him his take on... I guess you're definitely a gig hoe too, right? I'm beyond a gig hoe. <laughs> There's no reasonable offer would be refused. Ho, ho, Even ho. unreasonable. <laughs> that is the definition of a That gig is hoe. the definition. All right. So we're going to ask you some questions. That's okay. Do you remember your first club date gig or barring that, your first gig period that you got paid for? Um, all right. First gig. I think we were um, maybe 12, 13, played in a Halloween party. Wow. And they gave us 25 bucks each. And what, what kind of band was it? I, I, whatever rock band I had at the time. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was like wow. that was the when the addiction started. Right. I Were mean, you playing like uh, She's Not There and that kind of yeah, stuff? Yeah, all the whatever was going on in those days, right. that music, you know. And what so. about your first gig where you were in a tuxedo? Well, I started working for Stephen Scott when I was in college. But I know there was a tuxedo involved before then. <laughs> I was in a um, lounge band. Uh-huh. And we used to play lounges. Yeah, <laughs> but the real, the real hardcore club date, Stephen Scott, uh-huh. and that was the beginning. Right. Yeah. Did so. your father have to drive you to the gig? Um, no, I had. I I was driving by then. Do you remember anything about that gig? Okay, that's a funny story because okay. the first I, I think <laughs> that's it's funny. what we were hoping yeah. for. Well, we well I don't know if it's story. funny, but. Somehow I get this job with Stephen Scott, and my family friend knew one of the owners, and there was some audition, and I went to the audition. Okay, so now I go to this first club date with this band, which turned out to be not the typical club date band. It was Bobby Kay on piano, who passed away, who was this fantastic piano player, mm-hmm. played with Buddy Rich and Chris Connor and this and the other thing. Danny Axelrod, um, this guy Bill Farrell, who said he was the Bill Farrell from You've Changed fame, which was a big band hit. Wow. And this other woman, so... So look, you mean You've Changed? Da, yeah, da, da, that yeah. guy. But I don't know if he was really the guy or he uh. just said he was the guy. <laughs> and um, it was like, wow, these people are unbelievable. This uh-huh. is, you know, Bobby Kay was like a Bill Evans protege. He was wow. friends with Bill. And he had the big Fender Roads. And it was yeah. like, I said, man, this is like... Uh-huh. This is fantastic. If so this you thought all club, club dates were going to be that way? That's where every, in. Yeah. <laughs> then next week, I would think I was at, you know, Cindy's bat mitzvah <laughs> with a folk guitar and me, and, you know, God only knows what happened. Well, that's the thing. Every every single gig, it's like a new horizon, a yeah. new adventure. Sometimes there's a cliff at the end of the adventure. <laughs> 
Do you have any any particular story that sticks in your mind as like a very funny club date that you did? Well, I think everyone has this particular story, but um, in fact, I'm sure everyone has this. <laughs> playing at some wedding, and the two families got into a fight. Physical? Yeah. Great. Oh, no, way physical. Oh, good. Let's like hear. Like police coming physical. Wow. Excellent. Blood all over the place. Ooh. People pulling each other over the, over the bar. Wow. And we kept playing. Yeah. Wow. Through the, the whole fight? The leader said, you got to keep playing. What, we don't want to, you know. Were you playing like rock music through yeah, the fight? Whatever we were playing. It could have been night and day, whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, it might have been like that era. Uh-huh. So it's almost like a soundtrack to this right. fight scene <laughs> in a movie. Do you know uh, why they were fighting? I don't know, but yeah. everybody, I think, has one of those. That's somebody dies. Yeah, or... yes, they wheel them out on a yeah. stretcher. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that was really crazy. Man. Well, I had the one where the guy. It was a, a Greek wedding, and all the ushers had the cream-colored tuxedos. And then at some point, one of them, I guess, there a bunch of them were brothers, and one of them had a seizure, like an epileptic seizure. And the next thing I knew, they were carrying him out on their shoulders. And then uh, the band I was in, the lead singer kept looking around the corner to try and see what was happening. And then we heard sirens. <laughs> and then when they finally came in, there was blood flecks on their lapels. Wow. From and, a seizure. Blood. Well, no, the, the blood was not from the seizure. The blood was from the fist fight that broke out amongst the ushers about who was going to take the brother to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> it's not enough. We have a seizure. You know, we need to fight about it. Families are a little challenging, as I guess everyone's figured out. The other thing that's interesting about club dates is it's probably the only time where you get all these generations together to really socialize. I mean, they get together at Thanksgiving or whatever, but now they're in social land, and it's it doesn't it's work unsh- out so well. It's uncharted territory because you're trying to, especially from our perspective, yeah. we're trying to please everyone. Yeah. And everybody wants you to do something different yeah. musically even. That's right. You know? right. But you were, you're talking about the families themselves or even the two families who maybe have never met before. Well, emotions all are of the ab- All of the above. Yeah. All of the are above. at that point. Yeah. You know? yeah. And people don't hang out together. Grandma doesn't hang out with little kids with it and <laughs> eat and dance and uh-huh. whatever. You know what I mean? Grandma <laughs> goes... Where grandma goes and right. the kids. I never thought of it that way. Oh, yeah, that's. I th- always think that's. Yeah. And then you get the cousins that don't talk. There's always. Well, that, yeah. Who doesn't talk to each other? And you add that to it. And I didn't want the wedding in Westchester. And oh, we, it was outdoors. We didn't want it outdoors. And, right. you know, it just goes on and on. But yeah, how had, complicated. It's like it is. a marriage of 100 people for that four hours, and you can, it can't work out. You know, it just, it's it very just complicated. can't work out. <laughs> It's very complicated. And um, now, who was it? Somebody told the story about the, you know, they kind of did this in the wedding singer, where the best man starts making a speech and then he devolves into this angry tirade at the father. But I know there's a famous story about it was a bar mitzvah and the husband and wife were divorced. And at one point, the husband had the wife sit in a chair and he started by, you know, being nice and talking about how she worked so hard to make the party. And by the end, he was just calling her. A frickin' biatch, you know, and they had to, like, drag him out of the room. So that actually happened. I played that show on Broadway. What? The Wedding the we- Oh, you played the show? It was fun. See, ladies it and gentlemen, really this funny. is what I mean about Warren. He really it's in- is legendary. It's incredible is. to be me. I don't even know. I just, 
I get up in the morning and I look in the mirror for like five minutes. I go, this is amazing. <laughs> uh, but anyhow, the way to, yeah, it's challenging, man. It's yeah. a once in a lifetime challenge. It doesn't happen. Thank God. Other than those things, like a wedding, right? Yeah. yeah. Hopefully. Well, some people, it happens more than one time, but it can't be good either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. So, so now I want you to tell me about like your most humiliating gig. I'm not not you mean to put one? you on. Yeah, yeah. So start with one. Well, which one wasn't yeah. humiliating? Well, yeah, there's been a lot of humiliating ones. <laughs> Good. You, you can't do this as long as we've done this so without sure. some really, you know, shrapnel. <laughs> but uh, one that stands out in my mind was uh, so I get hired to do this very expensive show in Hawaii, in Maui. Like an industrial show? Yeah. I don't corporate. Know it, corporate. It, I don't know if it was corporate. It might have been, but it was uh, Dick Clark's oldies. Oh. And we were hired to play with Chuck Berry. So there was all, all there were a lot of these. Right. Little Richard was there with his band. There were people of that. Right. We're in Maui. It's were beautiful. Were you like, like the band for all the different acts? No. Oh. Just Chuck. Just Chuck Berry? Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Oh. Okay. Oh, so I played with him two times. Uh-huh. First time was better than the second. <laughs> so the band leader says, hey, you want to go meet Chuck? Right away, this is bad. Uh-huh. You don't meet Chuck. Right. And the bass player was completely over the moon. I'm going to play with Chuck. We knock on the door. Hey, Chuck, this is the band. He's like already like, I don't want to talk to these guys. Right. And then the bass player starts asking him like, hey, do you go to D7 on that? And he's like, I see the steam coming out of his head, uh-huh. right? Yeah. <laughs> So then we get on stage, and he's already, like, ready to kill all of us. We didn't even play a note. Uh-huh. And he, he requests this wacky amp that's very hard to find. And if you don't get the amp, then he charges you another $1,000. He's got all these schemes worked out to keep charging you money, right? So we get up there, and the sound is like... I can't even explain how bad it was. Was it like really distorted and loud? The amp was just like like a tor- like you were torturing someone. <laughs> and we're trying to play these songs, and he's getting angrier and angrier. And I how s- big was the crowd? Not that big, which made it worse. Like a hundred people? Yeah, like a hundred people who aren't listening and don't want to be enough. there or something. That's not big enough for Chuck. Yeah. yeah. So um, it was extreme torture, and I could see he's totally pissed at us and. The sound was bad, and I'm, like, crying out to the sound guy, help me, help me do something. I w- it was a miserable experience. Wow. And then I have to take my own blame. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, my part of it was the first time I played with him, it was another one of those rock and roll, a zillion artists, the Marvelettes, the this. And he came out, and I played, like, the way people play those songs on a club date, which is the eighth note kind right. of thing. right. But I had been enamored with the Hail, Hail rock and roll thing that Keith Richards did. Right. Remember that? With sure, Steve sure. Jordan. Yeah. And they played the stuff. Rockabilly, like, more like rockabilly. Yeah. So I said, man, I'm Steve Jordan's great. I went out and did that, and he really hated it. Did he want the straight beat? Well, then I came to realize, like, he's, you know, he's probably thinking, I always hated that recording session. I couldn't get the guy to play eighth notes. Right. You know, because at that time... He was playing the eighth notes, but no one else was. All right. Hang that on. creates I just, the crazy rockabilly nuttiness. Right. I just want to explain to the audience. So there's Who's the, the audience? It's the us. audience is who's ever listening. Nobody's listening. Yeah. <laughs> it's the three of us. Ignore that comment, audience. <laughs> so so there's the shuffle, da 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 and then there's the straight da 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 
Right, and the rockabilly. Yeah, the, yeah, the do do da do do da. That's what he wanted to hear. Do do da da do do da da. Not yeah, the da, way da, everybody da, plays da, da. it. Right, and the rockabilly, the thing we call rockabilly, is that magic thing that's sort of in between do do da da and da 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 da. That's right. Right, but what you're saying is the reason that happened is because all the players at that time only knew jazz, so they were tending toward the swing thing. Which I'm, is thi- da, da, I'm da, thinking da, da, da. that. I'm making this up, but I'm thinking that's what happened. What a concept. I think that other people will agree with me that at the time they only knew swing. They knew do that to do that to do that to do, you know, and right. and that maybe that's not what he wanted. Right. So all these years, yeah. every all these kids like me playing the wrong thing want to do do this thing that we think is going to make him happy. Right. Right. But it's making him miserable. Well, what's amazing to me is not only is that the case, but like how many of us spent how many countless hours trying to get that feel, which is so sort of mystical and in between. It's like. In no, it's a two it's places. a great it's a great feel, but I think he, I'm just making this up. <laughs> At the time when he made those records, which is a long time ago, man. Right. I mean, there was no eighth note rock and roll music then. Everything was rock around the clock, right? Ish. And so you know, he went into the studio and he's going do 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 do, and he's just like, man, can't these guys just do that with me? You know? Can you imagine if that's true? Well, there's a lot of stories like that in the music business. Yeah. Well, also, everyone always has their own concept. Even on a regular club date, I remember uh, the bass player like, trying to play You Send Me like at the right tempo and the right feel. And, um, you know, no, no, don't do it that way because people can't dance to it that way, you know. So it's not even about doing the right thing. It's everybody has their own idea of what the right thing That's is. That's exactly right. All, all the time. All right. What about your scariest gig? That wasn't scary? Uh, I bet that was really scary. No, yeah. it was terrifying to be on the stage <laughs> with this icon who you you want to connect with. I mean, yeah, scary. Well, what you do know, you mean scary emotionally. Well, for scary? instance, I, I remember I was doing a beach gig, uh, a beach wedding in one of the Hampton things. Yeah, super rich people. It was a private home. It was in the backyard, which is on the ocean. Yeah, you know, and like the tide was coming in, so that was one thing that was happening. We were in a plastic house. But they got drunker and drunker. They kept over time, over time, more over time, drunker and drunker. And then this guy just started careening into the band, falling into the band. And uh, I'm behind the keyboard, so I'm kind of, there's nothing I can do. And I literally had my arm out to stop him when he fell, was falling onto my keyboard. And so I pushed him away. And then he, he ultimately ended up falling into the drums. That is a common experience when the dancers get so close to where the band is and they're knocking. I mean, the scary thing, knock into your mic stand. I'm not supposed to touch my mic stand, <laughs> but I did. did. Um, and while you're singing and then get knocked in the teeth. Have you with, gotten knocked in the yeah, teeth? Yeah, because like yeah. people, or they, they touch the bass, their foot touches the bass, and it knocks into the teeth that you just paid $2,500 for. <laughs> That's like, cheap. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm being Alcohol, modest. Alcohol, we, we've definitely all seen... What alcohol can yeah, do? It's not when it's not fun. It's not fun. The drunk guests, you, uh, <laughs> you know that that guy the grabbing the, the mic, the, clo- the close talker. <laughs> I hate the close talker. It's, even when I was drinking, I hated the close talker. Yeah, I was never a close talker. Uh, not that I can recall. No, no, I was never a close. But you talker. mean like guests or other? Yeah, yeah. well, everyone. But right. when you're in, you know, you're trying to do the gig and. And they get annihilated and they get stupid. and Right. But you're kind of shielded being the drummer, right? You're kind of shielded from things that we're not shielded from. Absolutely. Because we're like the front. They have to get through uh, our to moat get, to get to it's, you. Uh, yeah, it's football. <laughs> right. You're like the quarterback. <laughs> That's right. But they get through sometimes, don't they? <laughs> I don't know. Do they? Uh, in football, they do. Did anybody get do. through to you on the bandstand? 
people like guests? Do they? Well, a lot of times they want to play the drums. They well, might so grab. When they a get really stick. drunk, they climb onto the bandstand. That's what I'm and saying. And pick up a stick and start to bang things. They that's, do. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Can you imagine like going into this guy's dentist's office yeah. and taking the drill and playing with it like? <laughs> What would happen? Come on, man. I know. Everybody thinks they're a drummer. <laughs> or, yeah, is that too. true? Yeah, I guess you too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember I had a bunch of bar mitzvah boys on one gig. I'll never forget, this kid had a mustard-colored jacket and a real smart-ass grin. And uh, for some reason, they were all around my keyboard. Maybe I was leading the gig and it was a game. So I don't know. But he starts sticking his fingers on my keys, you know. Doink, of course, doink, of course. doink, with that do. face, yeah, doink. I'm like, don't do that. Please don't do that. And doink, doink. I said, really, don't do that. If I came into your house, would I be doinking on you? You know, and he just smiled at me. I said, listen, you touch it one more time, I'm going to have to smack your hand off. I'll right? doink you in the eye. No, I, I really did. I said, I'm going to have to. And he did it, and I smacked his hand, and he got this freaked out expression, like he couldn't believe I actually did it. Who are the parents of these people, man? No. Don't you find that at Bar Mitzvah, they, they give up? Well, because like they don't have to watch them, they think. You know, it's like a time for them to drink. And yeah, they could relax. They're here. Let them run wild. Yeah, and go in the bathroom and melt candles and shit. You know. But um, I had a scary experience when my first lounge band was together, and we were backing up Julie Budd, except what I didn't know, it was in Fire Island, too. I didn't know that they had their own keyboard play, and they just were using my keyboard. So I'm hanging out, waiting for the band to finish, and I remember... I don't know, there was some guy from another country with a yacht. <laughs> and, I, and I had time to kill. So I went on the yacht and then oh, I, no. like, I, was, I was afraid he wasn't going to let me off, you know. Was like, he coming on to you? Well, yeah, that was like the Mom, idea. Well, you've had more fun than most people. I don't know. That doesn't sound like fun to me. I don't know. Nobody asked me on their yacht. <laughs> <laughs> Not even when you were young and had more hair? Yeah, people liked me better then. Yeah. <laughs> so how about this one? Because... I was at the chiropractor the other day, and uh, he's telling me his son went to music school, and I guess he's an opera singer, and now he's a, like a choir teacher, and his, his wife also, something like that. But both of them want to quit teaching and be full-time musicians. I laugh when I see people, oh, yeah, I just graduated, I'm looking for a steady band. What, are you kidding? Well, and <laughs> I said to and he goes, he goes, it's giving me, you know, spilkes, right? And I was like, Tell him not to do it, you know. Tell, he goes, no, no, they really want to do it, and it's giving me a heart attack. And I'm saying, you know, you got benefits, you got steady pay. People, they, you know, what should I do? Should I be? I say to them, and I think most people in our position would say, if there's something else you love to do, <laughs> yeah. maybe do that. Yeah. <laughs> but if you really don't, if this is just a burning, because, you know, you also might be talking to the next Billy Joel. Look, I went to a conservatory, and most of the people within a couple of years were doing music-related things. Right, like teaching it or just, administration. It just, it just fades out. People go, you know what, maybe... They go back to law school. That's right. They go... <laughs> or that the guy who's the... Uh, one of the guys in the in the Biden's administration, one of the head of finance, was a... I think he was a bass player at, when I went to college. Really? What's his name? Um I can't remember anything. Yeah. But that guy. That wow. guy. Yeah. And, um, His finance guy. And the other guy was a sax player in the big band era. Who was the big... Um... Clinton. No, not Clinton. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. The head of the... Uh, tre- um... Blinken? No. You mean Steve Mnuchin? No, no, no. Before him. Oh, no. It can't be him. No, no, no. It's a finance... Alan yeah. Greenspan. Yes, Alan Greenspan. <laughs> really? He was in the... No. I was kidding. <laughs> well, we're not kidding anymore. Alan Greenspan. <laughs> 
That is wild. <laughs> that is Unless wild. I'm totally wrong. If there Cause, were only because I'm just picturing his face playing the saxophone. Yeah, I know. You know well, here goes Willis. Alan Greenspan was. Uh, it, yeah. I can't believe that. Well, I, that was a lucky break. Yeah, well, I might be lying too. You Plus, might be. Alan Greenspan. <laughs> or maybe that's my. Your memory, memory is of baby. life as I see it, but I think it is Alan Greenspan. You can't see Alan Greenspan ever being cool in any way. No, yeah, yeah well. Not with that face and um, the real estate market yes, getting frothy. Yes, yes. It's true? Uh, when the World War II draft ban rejected him, a spot on his lung pretended tuberculosis. He was able to land a job playing saxophone in a respectable big band. The young man playing sax beside him was Lenny Gorman, who would later join Greenspan in the Nixon White House. How about that? Unbelievable. Unbelievable, the things you learn. Well, it's not just that. It's just proof that, you know, it's hard to be a professional musician. It's just hard. It's harder now than ever. Yeah. But everything's harder now than ever. It's really, yeah, it's wacky. Look, everything, all the music when we were kids was handmade. Right. Right. Even the jingle demo had to have at least the piano player singing into some tape machine to present right. to the client. Right. Four, four track. You know, tape. I mean, I used to yep. work at um, Chapel, used to have a demo studio. Chapel Music. Yeah, they yeah, had right. a demo studio on 7th Avenue. And now people do it here in the house. You know, you know they, right. this would, they would assemble musicians and make song demos. Yeah, yeah. You know, when I was first a songwriter in my 20s, um, I actually looked up the telephone number for RCA Records, uh-huh. called somebody up, Look at you. made an appointment, wow. went in with my reel-to-reel tape, with uh-huh. like the first songs I ever wrote, and sat there with the guy while he listened to it. Holy can you, crap. Can you imagine? Never. So, Warren. Yeah. So, so, when was your first professional gig? How old were you? What do you mean professional? I mean, you got paid. The the Halloween party. The Halloween party. How old? 13? I might have been 13. And 13. you made $25, you said, right? Yeah. $25. Yeah. We were like... You know what's sad? Sometimes, even now, we'll we'll do a gig for $25 if it's with people we really like to play with. Yeah, they, okay. They put, they're throwing in a meal. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. You can it's a really good from, restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. That helps. And, and it was from then on? I mean, was that the point at which you said... I want to be a, mus- a working musician. I want to be a professional musician. No, that's another funny story. Oh, good. Let me hear it. It's kind of dirty. It's good. not dirty. Dirty's good. Well, I, I, I got seduced into like we all did. I was able to make money. do what I loved, and you know, make then money. I had a band, and we played at dances, and you know, whatever. So it's like high school. Yeah, right. yeah. We played. And you, you got know, chicks. Yeah, because you were the drummer. I was a little shy. I probably could have done better, but I was a little shy. I saw um, pictures of you. you he was good looking. I was good looking, right? You're still good looking, yeah. but you, you were really looking. good looking. Yeah. I was really good looking. Yeah. What happened? I don't know. Uh, I didn't know I was good looking. I thought I was fat and ugly, but yeah. that's that's another. Yeah, I thought I was ugly when I was yeah, a kid. Yeah, that's too. another story. Yeah. We, you know, so my drum teacher Al Pollock, lovely guy, great drum teacher. He worked on Broadway a lot, and he was uh, the drummer in O Calcutta. Uh huh. Right. This is the 60s. Oh, Calcutta was a very naked show. That's right. <laughs> so he says, um, he says, hey, you want to come down? I come down. I watch the show from the pit. They play. It's like, okay, this is fun. And I hear all these profanities. You know, it was really out there, that show. Yeah, I know. So then he goes, hey, you want to come to the recording session? This is the turning point. Uh-huh. So I go, and okay. And how old? How old uh, this high school? I'm about 16 now. I okay. take the Long Island Railroad in. I meet him at A&R Studios on 7, 799 7th Avenue. And this is for the recording of the, of the cast album? Cast the album. Calcutta. I walk in. There's a table full of, you know, food. Right. All kinds of delicacies. 
there's there's women running around in bathrobes. Really? Yeah. And then to do the scenes, they want to be in character. They take off their bathrobes. Oh, my God. And they're screaming out the profanities of the show. Right. Which you can only fill in the blanks. Oh, my God. What they're saying. The most potty mouth. <laughs> so now here I am. Are they naked? Yeah. They're naked. Yeah, yeah. They, they take off the bathrobes because they want to right. be... Be in character. Yeah, they're actors, you know. <laughs> so then, then they're saying all these, like, oh, I want to, you know, blah, blah. Yeah. So... Here's the food. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm eating the Danish and the bagels. <laughs> There's the guys. They're playing. They sound great. Here's the women with the profanities. And I, at the end of the day, I go, this is what I want to do. This is for me. Perfect story. I love that story. <laughs> I know. It's a true story, though. I go, this is the girl. Who wouldn't want to do right. this? Oh, my God. And, yeah. you know, it's like the, the first hit you take of a suit. Like, did it ever get better than that? <laughs> That was pretty. That was a, That's really amazing. And you weren't even playing, right? You were just no. Watching. I was. He was just said, "Hey, you want to come to this recording session?" Wow. My first gig. Um, I got, think I got paid five dollars, and I was uh, working as a you waitress. Should have been in my band. <laughs> well, that's why I was impressed when you said twenty-five. But um, <laughs> but like five dollars, okay, you know. And then the next one was eighteen dollars with Silver Fox. Remember we worked oh, yes. eighteen. I remember the yeah. the figure eighteen. But it was Guys, like is that what we were getting paid eighteen dollars. Sometimes it was just one An particular hour? gig. No, for the night because we, we got were, paid eighteen dollars. We were eight people, you know. We were doing like rock clubs, and I just yeah. remember saying, "Wow, I got paid to sing," because <laughs> I was a waitress also at the time, and I had to like you know take shit from people, you yeah. know, and, and yeah. smile and make them happy. You know, I just wasn't a natural. I was shy, you know. So I said, "Yeah, I was suckered in." Isn't that funny? We were paid all sh- I sing. was shy too. You were shy. You were shy. Michael Jackson was shy. All of us were shy. That's so. <laughs> weird that's why we do it yeah well no you'd think shy people would would not no because like they that's the outlet if they have the talent to express it that's how they are outward you know that's how they're extroverted but were you ever shy he's saying yes you're saying you were shy i'm a big mouth and you can't shut me up but even now i'm shy i'm not i'm not the extrovert at the party or i mean if i know people i'm a big mouth but i but you know everybody now (laughs) i know everybody no i'm totally shy I went to a high school reunion and some woman said, you know, I really had a crush on you. Mm. And I said, you did? I thought you were staring at me because I was weird. <laughs> but that's the way I was then. Right. Yeah. But anyway, one of the questions we were thinking of asking all our guests is, so now having had this long career, which I would say, I mean, from my perspective, you've had a really successful career, right? You've done a lot of things. You've worked with a lot of famous people. You've made a good living for decades, Right. I do want to add, audience, that Warren has done a plethora of Broadway shows. A lot of Broadway shows. Yeah. I, people talk about this Name a lot. Name some of them. Tell them. Tell yeah. Them. Yeah. Um, Just, you know, the, the really big ones. Well, well they're all pretty big. Yeah, well, they're yeah. all failures, mostly. <laughs> um, the Life, Thoroughly Modern Millie, The Wedding Singer, Lennon. Rocky. King Kong, Rocky. Uh, American in Paris. Chocolate Factory. Come Fly Away, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Right. There's more. And the union was strong, and you have a good retirement situation. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, which not know. everyone can do anymore. Right. A it's, lot of us are, are less spot. financially secure than. All right. So that being the case, what would you tell that sixteen-year-old that the like? Because you had it all going on, like George Costanza, right? You had the food yeah, and yeah, the sex. Yeah, kind. yeah. What would you tell him now, like, when he had that great idea to be a professional musician? Would you say do it or don't do it? Oh, I'd say totally do it. You would. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, it's it's been. I mean, it's it's not an easy life. 
And you always feel bad about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't you want to do that? Why yeah. wouldn't you want to do that? No, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, it's uh, yeah. even today. I mean, it's like gigs or no gigs. I'm still thinking about it and practicing. I'm trying to, wow, how did they do that? You know, we just, we're fans of the arts and music. We just love it. And yeah. the people that you get to work with, that's like the other it, thing. It's great, man. It's um. The, look, man, the Greeks, I don't. we don't do it anymore. I think it's one of the problems. But the Greeks knew that the arts was the education of the soul. There's right. math, history, blah, 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 and right. the arts. Right. So you're educating the soul. You're making a full person. Right. And, um, you know, it's very satisfying to be on a good gig with things are going well. And you. In the, I'm, what's the, the most fun for me today is playing with and for people. And everybody's grooving and taken to that next level. Yeah, this it's a weird thing because people who do this only want to do it more. Yeah, like what that's other right. job? No we other job. Yeah, people, people want to. Right, people ask me, "Don't you want to retire?" I don't ever want to retire. And do what? Yeah, you know? I mean, I'd like to have more fun, leisure, go to Paris, but but still do it. But still do it. Yeah, yeah it's a weird. Yeah, just don't do it as much. Don't do it six nights a week. And anymore. get up at like three in the morning to. She just did that recently. Two days in a row. I was at three the Javits the Center. At I started at eight the last two days. Eight in the morning. So I was going to get up at four, but then I got up at three and I said, "There's no point in going back to sleep for an hour." So I got to the city at six. To start what are you, eight. an armed guard? What are you doing there so early in the morning? It's a retired military and police doing security. I was uh, playing for a convention. Wow. Nothing like hearing like jazz music and pop music while you're shopping for insurance products. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that is really nuts. So do you remember one specific gig where like it stays in your mind as the most memorable club date you ever played? I definitely have one of those. Memorable club date? Yeah, like something different than all the other. How about the one where you were going to my gig and you weren't going to make it? <laughs> no, not that. That never happened, Marla. It's <laughs> false news. <laughs> Didn't you watch Newsmax this week? I, I guess we should, you should tell that story. All but, right. Go ahead. So I lived 20 minutes, <laughs> half an hour from this gig from Marla. But, but how many miles? Like two miles? No, five. Well, it's... Yeah, maybe five. Right. On on ways, it's like 20 minutes to same, half an hour. Same, same borough, Manhattan, right? I'm in New York City You're on 215th York- Street. And the gig was? Uh, East 60th Street. Okay, so in Manhattan. 60th and 5th. Just getting from 60th and 5th, from, from 215th and the West I'm Side I'm driving at 315, I think it was. In the afternoon. And at 430, yeah. I'm far away from the gig. <laughs> And there's no hope. And it was just regular traffic. There was no accident. I don't know. Somebody said Biden was Biden in town. Biden was in town. Uh, I'm not sure what it was, but right. I called Marla at 4:30, I think, and I said, Marla, I, I think we need to prepare for Armageddon. And, yeah, and she found someone on another instrument to come and play. So right. there was a band, and then I said, Well, what should we do? She said, We'll keep trying to make the gig. Right. And somehow, I got there and she was waiting for me she said just get a snare drum you know and and by 532 yeah. we were playing it and was like a, it the was a miracle started at 530 yeah. yeah wow it was a miracle yeah a miracle then the next day i had a gig in the brooklyn navy yard i i i was there like two and a half hours early <laughs> sure i was so freaked out yeah that's what happens yeah. yeah so i think in the future internal gigs in manhattan you're gonna get more time crazy time yeah Crazy time. Yeah, right. you bring something right. to do, you know. Cause I thought at 3.15. My thing with gigs is I yeah. want to get there 
at least an hour before. At right. least. If at least. not more. Right. But the hour, if it's hour starts getting eaten up, there's... Cushion. But this was a real sobriety test, man. That was like... <laughs> and there was nothing you could do, because even if you yeah. like left your car, you'd have to get into another car, and they'd well, be in I, the same Well, my plan was, because you said leave the car, so now I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to leave the car. Just grab your snare. Where were you going to leave the car? We on the street. On a you spot. mean like park it? Park it park and it. jump on the train. On the, on the street, anywhere. But how, how can you even park it in Midtown Manhattan? I mean, well, he wasn't was not, in this Midtown. Was, um, oh, you were still uptown. This was, I got off the FDR, and now I'm on uh, 2nd Avenue, maybe, right. in the 90s. Oh. So well, I'm thinking, okay, I have, I'll get a city bike. Uh. <laughs> I'll put the snare drum. No, that's what I'm thinking. Because there's no, I don't, maybe the subway, I don't know. Right. But that was horrifying, man. I felt terrible for you. You I did? did? I did. I felt terrible for me, too. Yeah, yeah. You know? well, as long as you feel bad. No, I'm talking I... about like a memorable gig. Like, I once did a gig where the bride's side was like Irish Catholic, and the groom's side was Indian, from India. There were two buffets. Literally, one had corned beef and cabbage, and the other one had like dal and chickpeas and whatever. And uh, it was at one of those giant crystal and marble places in Jersey. Big wedding. And at some point, this guy named Cool Shaban, that mm. was his name, Cool Shaban, came up wearing the most beautiful creamy linen trousers, matching shirt with all the gold filigree and the Nehru. And everyone's already going wild. All the Indians are already going nuts. They haven't danced at all, but now they're going nuts. And he goes... Okay, I'm going to sing. You just play along. And we're like, what key? He goes, ah, whatever, you know. So luckily the drummer specialized in doing hand drumming. So the guy sort of gives him a feel and he's going, dun, 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 dun. and then he starts going, you know, wah, whatever. And, and the place goes nuts. And we're just like holding a fifth and F sharp, you know, that's sort of all we can do. We're just playing along. But I mean, that kind of memorable, you know, I'll never forget that because it was such an amazing experience. How would I ever have had that experience except for doing weddings and backing up this guy who's probably a rock star in India, you know? Yeah, sometimes you do a wedding and you, you, you're you rubbing shoulders with like the most amazing people. And right. So no- I'm wondering if you have a gig like that in your brain where something unexpected happened. At a- okay, so this is a good story. Ready? Okay. Yeah. So I get hired to do this big TV show, some awards, all broadcast internationally, Okay. Super famous people. One of the guests is Ray Charles. And I'm in the house band. So I'm thinking, this is really going to be bad. Because he's legendary about being hard on drummers. Uh -uh. He humiliated Ed Shaughnessy on The Tonight Show. Really? He humiliated Steve Jordan on Saturday Night Live. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I'm thinking, oh, jeez. (laughs) What shot do I have? (laughs) What shot do I have, right? So he comes in. We rehearsed the chart, and I'm waiting, terrified, like, oh, God, when is it going to start? And this chorus that was going to join us, and they were late. So his manager says, well, Ray, uh, the singer's late. You want to hear the rhythm section again of the band? He goes, no, I hear that these cats can play. So this was like the greatest <laughs> the greatest day of my life. Right, right. But then, now I'm thinking, okay, he's going to wait. Till the show to humiliate me. <laughs> He's going to torture me on the show. Right. And we do the show, and he doesn't torture me, and he's totally grooving. Wow. And I'm playing the drums, uh-huh. 
and there's Ray Charles. Yeah. So that's that's great. That, that went differently than yeah. You know, because as, as it should. Well, <laughs> Doc Severinsen said to Ray, "Bring your own people." You're not going to torture my band anymore. Wow. Yeah. So that was a high compliment that you got there. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and that great. doesn't happen often. Right. And if he wasn't blind and he could see who was accompanying him, <laughs> like, like like the... You the schlub from Massapequa. Yeah, the Bar Mitzvah boys yeah. from Temple's Beth Shalom. <laughs> you know, so... Uh, All right. Any any parting thoughts? I guess we're, we're coming to a close here. We might have to have you back again when you're passing through. I uh, just can't wait. <laughs> We can talk forever. Well, what do we like to say? May your gigs be plentiful. And may your uh, GPS signal never falter. That's right. We are the the gig gig hoes. Plus Warren. (laughs) Shalom. (laughs) So I want to do a a credit of the week um, about a song. So Warren and I wrote uh, a lot of songs together. And this is one of my favorite things that we wrote together. It's a great song. Yeah, and I we actually, it. Marla and me and Warren and, and other women did a gig in Florida this, this winter and we played it. It's called Could Have Been and we're going to put it up on Bandcamp and uh, you can listen and hopefully you like it. It's about the illusions that we project onto other people when we so-called fall in love. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> no. See you next week. like me but you saw just what you wanted to see I wasn't looking but somehow I saw something I didn't know I was looking for I was looking for something more more than the To hear the full song, follow the link on the Gig Host Facebook page. The Gig Host podcast is produced and recorded by Marla Joe and Willa Basson, also known as the Gig Host. Thanks to Jeremy Goldberg for opening voiceover.